Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Get the best merch in the universe with Star Trek products from ParamountShop.com. Shop Galaxy shirts, NX-01 hats, Starfleet Command sweatshirts, and more. You can take 20% off with code TREK20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Star Trek products with code TREK20 at ParamountShop.com. Aha! Look who it is! It's us! Back with another episode of Star Trek The Pod Directive. My name is Paul F. Tompkins. My name is Tawny Newsome. What up? We are your hosts for this and every episode. We are your hosts. Hello, we are your hosts. We are hosting this episode. What can I do for y'all? What What do you need to listen to this podcast? You probably already have whatever you need. Like you got your headphones or maybe you're just like raw dogging it and listen to it out loud from your phone out in the world. Have you seen people do that? They just hold up. They, their phone is just playing a podcast. out Yes. Loud? I'm going to say I blame um, reality TV for what people are doing with their phones because it started <laughs> with as as a nece- as a necessity. People on reality TV have to talk with their phones on speaker, on speaker all sure, the sure, time sure, sure, holding their phones. The and then yeah. people just started, I guess, thinking, oh, yeah, that's a way you can talk on your phone. And guess what? It's not because you're not on camera. You're on a plane. Well, stop it. Here's the thing, though. All of our hearing is damaged from too much uh, in-ear headphone use. Yeah. That is just a fact. Yeah. So the, here are the, the, the only ways to talk on the phone acceptably are with some sort of ear device, mm-hmm. an AirPod, a Bluetooth, whatever, on speaker and holding it right by your chin and shouting into it. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're playing the fucking flugelhorn or something. Yeah. Uh, and then the last option is to hold it to your ear. That Ugh. that ensures you will hear nothing. I can't even hear. I can't even get voicemails to play properly if by holding it up to my ear. You know what I mean? No. It's like it's like I press the phone the, senses that you're yeah. there, and the phone's like, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> the phone's trying to save me from it. Yeah. Don't put me up there. This is why we need view screens in all of our homes. 100%. Someone calls you on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I really wish we could have the hologram technology where you can appear in someone's home. Somehow you can make eye contact with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how that works. I don't either. But yeah, it's sort of what I, here's what it makes me feel like when you see it is that, okay, if I'm the hologram, Mm-hmm. I can't actually see you, but right, I'm right. acting like I'm giving you the opportunity to look at me as if we are having a face-to-face conversation. So it doesn't feel as intrusive. I feel like if you're receiving the hologram, you don't have to put on, you know, real clothes. You don't have to yeah. look nice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can just be in your sweats or whatever. And yeah. that person, it's on that person to look nice if they need to. Okay, I like this. Yeah. I also now want to see in Lower Decks or something or some other like Trek parody situation where the hologram that appears, it they're like, their eyeline is all wrong and they're just looking all over the place. <laughs> and the person's like, hey, what, you're trying to talk to me. I'm over here. Absolutely. Anyway, now yeah. we're just brainstorming. Can you now please writers tur- turn 90 degrees because I don't want to have to move around to where your face is. Right, because you're kind of facing my fridge right now, and I'm in my really great chair, and I don't want to have to move. <laughs> it's funny to think, like, if I were that person getting that call to be like, yeah. looks like he's talking to the fridge. Yeah. Uh, that would really make me laugh. really, really important information right now, but, like, he's just straight up talking to the side <laughs> he, of my fridge. He thinks that fridge is, needs to hear this. Also, I guess there aren't really fridges. What? We haven't really seen a fridge. They have replicators. You don't really see a fridge in Star Trek. I'm saying we want that now. Oh, you're taking this technology and placing it now. Yes, I, I want I'm it now. Up. Sorry to Veruca well, Salt you. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. Great band. Um, look, uh, you know, if we did have hologram voicemail systems, that would surely be in space news. Speaking of space news, oh, we got there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got there. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were you had to you had to listen to it. So <laughs> you were held hostage by that. Segment. Oh, I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> uh, speaking of space news, we delved into a lot of cool space news with our uh, with our guest this episode, Swapna Krishna. Yes, this was a great conversation about. Um, you know, what's happening in, in space now, in space travel, who's going up there, who wants to go up there, and uh, what, wh- how does it, how will it continue to impact our lives? It was, it was really cool to talk to her. Speaking of who's going up there, Paul, I have, a, 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 I have some additional information and a correction. Are oh, you ready? Yes. In the episode, we talk about uh, the women that are uh, the women astronauts from the class of 23. We mistakenly said there were five from the U.S. There are four from the U.S. and one from the UAE. But uh, we would like to give their names because in the episode we were just like, yeah, these people went up there and we didn't name them. So uh, their names are Christina Birch. She's a bioengineer. Denise Burnham, a drilling engineer. Nicole Ayers, who was an Air Force fighter pilot. And Jessica Whitner, a Navy test pilot. And then uh, the woman from the UAE is Nora Al-Matrushi, a mechanical engineer. So That's those right. are the folks we reference. And they are all human females. <laughs> Good clarification. Thank you. <laughs> That's just the umbrella term. <laughs> yep. Human. I like that you said it like a Ferengi. Of course. <laughs> You're, are you also mad they're wearing clothes, Paul? Oh, it drives me nuts. How practically... Insane. I feel like that's not going to work. I just feel like practically that's not going to work. True. Uh, So our guest, Swapna, (laughs) Swapna Krishna, is the host of PBS's latest YouTube show, Far Out, uh, which is focused on the next few decades in science and technology. She's also a journalist, writer, communicator, and editor specializing in the geek space. She uh, posts about space and science videos on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and is a regular contributor at StarTrek.com. And now here's our conversation. Oh, do you know if you make the Zoom window skinny enough, it stacks the three of us in like a little column? Oh, it will. Thank you. It's not like I've been using Zoom for like three years or something straight. (laughs) Me too. I've never, maybe I've never had exactly three people and made it. Anyway, Mm. Paul, this is old hat. I mean, I've seen so many Zoom stacks. Um, well, speaking of Zoom stacks, that's how we're going to go into this show. That's how we're going to go into this interview. Absolutely. Swapna's our friend. We can yes. be casual yes. with her. That's right? right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're besties. We've known each other on the internet for now old at least. East Coast pals. Exactly. That's yes. true. Yes. East Very Coast brethren. <laughs> oh, how are you today? How are you doing? <laughs> Good. It's kind of a gloomy, I'm outside of Philly and it's kind of a gloomy Sunday here. And so it's a nice day to like be in my office away from my child, my four-year-old <laughs> who just destroys everything he touches. He's in that phase. So, Is yeah. it hard for you to close a door with a four-year-old because they want to be in there? Yes and no. He's pretty used to like when mama has to do things, mama has to do things. But like, also, I keep toys in my office for him, like when he's at home and I'm trying to work. So he knows there's like special toys in here. I've got the, a friend of mine saved the like 1990s next gen Burger King Happy Meal, like tricorder and phaser. Oh, and they're oh in my, my office and he come, he knows he can come in here and like get the like Aww. thing off mama's shelf and play with them. And he's obsessed. He thinks yeah. my favorite show oh. is called Planets. Because of all the like <laughs> opening credits, he's like, "Mama's favorite yeah. show is Planets," and I'm he's like, not wrong. "Sure, it's not a bad he's title." He's not wrong. Yeah, no, he's captured the essence of the show, like Star yes. Trek, a little on the nose. If we just called it Planets, <laughs> I think that's a little more nuanced, <laughs> right? I think so. Yeah. And he, I know, I think I saw a tweet of yours back around like maybe NYCC times or, or SDCC times, but uh, how excited was he for the Murph plushie? Oh my God, it's his favorite. And um, now he's a little bit devastated that Murph is no longer like a slug and is uh, like a toddler. And I'm trying oh, to be like, he's like a sure. baby. He right. grows up like you, but he is very yeah, like- Murph had my blow child- up. Yeah, my child is very Peter Pan. Like, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. I want to be a firefighter when I grow up. But he is like, I don't want to grow up. Yeah. Like, that right. is his answer. When you ask him what he wants to be when he grows up, he's like, I want to be a baby forever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to grow up. He's absolutely not wrong. Again, I think he's like no lies detected with this kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's great. It's, it's great. <laughs> 
I want to be more like this kid. I want to be like my favorite show is Planets. I'm going to be a baby forever. Yeah. I want to be a baby yeah. astronaut. <laughs> for I can't think of a better it's, way to live. It's, it's hilarious. Floor on fire. A baby shows up. How now? What what kind of a pressure do you feel as a Trek fan to like make sure you're raising a Trek fan? Is it like are you getting extreme soccer dad energy to this? Like, are you giving it like a real "you will love the things I love" type of a vibe? I am trying not. He is very good, and I think probably all kids. I don't have a lot of experience with kids besides my own. Like, I'm a youngest kid. I didn't babysit a lot growing up, so like my kid is most of my experience, but my experience with him is that like, if he knows you want it too much, he's not going to do it. Uh, like he can, he can sense your desperation. Too thirsty. Sure. Mom. And so I know. <laughs> and so I, and I'm also very particular about like, as be, being a parent is about making him the best version of himself. He can be not making the best version of me or what I want for him or what I want him to be. Like it's about him and figuring out, and it's not they're all those aren't always going to be compatible. So like I expose him to it as much as I can. Um, mm. It's the only show I will watch with him around. Like because I don't I generally don't watch a lot of TV. Like Trek is the only thing I'm current on these days because I just you know what is time. But <laughs> I do really try hard to um, expose him to it. And like he asks a lot of questions which I like. Like he asks a lot of questions about the ships about, you know, the captains, about, like, who is who, like, why does this person look like this? So it, like, it, like, allows for a lot of good conversations, I think. Um, yeah. While also allowing him to go to daycare and tell, or to school and telling his teachers, like, Mama has very weird-looking friends. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Fair. <laughs> like, she watches, on planets, she has very weird-looking friends. And it's right. like, oh, okay, yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I'd be honored for my kid to think of the people I'm watching on TV as my friends. That would be really yes. cute. <laughs> yeah, no, he thinks they're all, like, my friends. And, and like, it's also oh. funny because, like, some I'll travel for Trek stuff, and I'll be like, I'm traveling for my planets show. And he's like, are you going to see your friends? I'm like, yes, I'm going to see my friends. Yeah, oh, you I really are. I love, I love the idea that you are not trying to make him into a fan of a thing that you're a fan yeah. of, um, because I've we all know parents who have tried to do this and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But um, it, it there is something kind of you have that little um, you know asking somebody on a date feeling of like I hope you like the thing that I like. Mm. Yeah, I hope that this happens because that feeling of. We've all been there where you show a movie that you love to Oof. someone Oof. and then they're just silent. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like trying to like explain. You're like, but but in this moment, you'd know yeah. if you'd seen the other. It's really important that they and you're just, oh, it feels like you're just in quicksand. Oh, the worst is when mm -hmm. you see mm -hmm. it through their eyes all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, this is oh, bad. No, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong to love this. Oh, my gosh. You host this really great. Well, I first came across you from uh, your podcast, Daisy Geek Girls. Um, I I love that pod because even when you're not talking Trek stuff, which is kind of the only fandom I can lay claim to being a part of, but when you're talking about other things, like I've dipped my toe in some of your like Marvel centric episodes, it's such a nice perspective with you and your co-host Preeti. It's like I don't know. I just feel like I'm hanging out with ladies that I would be friends with, and just you know, uh, how how did that podcast get started? So Preeti and I have been best friends for years. Uh, we actually, it's a funny story. We actually met uh, through Star Wars because we both were intensely into Star Wars and really excited about The Force Awakens coming out. And like we, we'd known each other through other things, but Star Wars is how we like became best friends because we were literally analyzing the first trailer like frame by frame and like trying to, you know, like figure out what happens. So we are like friends through fandom. And I think one thing that we both have in common and the reason we work well as like a podcasting duo is A, our podcast conversations are the exact same as our non-podcast conversations. There's no yes. difference. Like it's, the ex we talk about the it's exact same things in the exact same way. And two, we're not, we don't share a lot of the same interests, but I am happy to go over to her side and like watch some of the stuff she loves and she's happy to do the same for me. And what we like most is hearing someone who loves something intensely talk about it enthusiastically and just like 
I love listening to people who love things. I think it's fascinating yeah. to see, understand why people love things. And I I just enjoy hearing people talk about things that interest them. I think that's fun. And I think it's a, I think, I think there's so many reasons to be cynical and there's so many reasons to be negative and just being able to be genuinely earnest is like a gift in a lot of ways. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm not a, a real Housewives fan, but my friend Natalie is a, is a super fan and sometimes I'll just ask her, like, what's going on with the housewives? Yeah. And she she will yes. describe it to me. And what I love is, like, it sounds like she's talking about people that she knows. Yes, it's your weird-looking <laughs> so right. yeah. yes. yes. It's like, hey, yes. give me gossip on your friends. Yeah, it is. It's like, I, and it's truly that word geek. Why? It's such mm -hmm. a great word to use for that reason because it, it the connotation has so much joy. It's like, yeah. I know a lot about this. I'm very excited to share it with you. Yeah, I love listening to people geek out. Yeah. And then I think I really love that earnestness. Like she is, I've never, I don't think I've ever watched an episode of Supernatural and she is intensely into Supernatural. Yeah. And like, it's, I know a lot about the show at this point through her, but it's like, what's going on with Supernatural fandom these days? Like the <laughs> stories out of Supernatural fandom and the show's been off the air for like, what, three years or something. Mm -hmm. And the like drama is still ongoing. And it's like, it's <laughs> the best. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> That is a show that I've never seen, but from what I understand, the only way to be a fan of it is to be an intense fan of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's no casual yes. fans of Supernatural. No. 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 And that, I think, feels to me a little intimidating because I'm like, I got to be ready to really lay, lay my life on the line for this thing. I don't know that I have bandwidth for that yes. yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like 15 seasons. That's like intimidating in and of itself. Oh, that's right. I ran forever. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I was having this conversation um, last night with a castmate of mine who is not familiar with Star Trek, and they asked what the best Star Trek series was, and I said, Deep Space Nine, because that's what I'll forever say. And he was like, oh, maybe I'll watch some of it. Um, how many seasons is it? And when I said seven, mm -hmm. and then he goes, how many episodes a season? I was like, oh, 22 to 26. He was like, good God, I can't watch. I can't even dip my toe into that. And I was like, well, I'll make you a list of some, some great apps. <laughs> you can kind of dip your toe in. Do you do that for people? Do you, if they're interested in Star Trek or anything that you're a fan of, do you like make them a list of like, here are the ones to check out? Oh, a hundred percent. Like, and I am not a purist or like, I'm not like, oh, you have to watch these. Like, mm. I am like, okay, what, do, what appeals to you about, um, and it's easier to do with a show like Next Gen, which is like much less serialized. I feel yes. like DS9 yeah. is, it's you can do it, but it's just, it's like basically watch like, these like four arcs from seasons one through three, and then every episode's from season four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially because that's a show that did a great job, like an incredible job uh, with the B storylines. Like even if the yes. A storyline is like something maybe you can skip, the B storyline is important. And I, I think they did, the writers were incredible, but like, yeah, it's, it's a much easier with a show like Next Gen that isn't as serialized, but like as they get more serialized, it's much harder to do. Let yeah. me ask you both. Um, I, I when people ask me for a, a for like a list of best episodes of a thing, um, I find myself paralyzed by that. I find it very uh -huh. difficult to assemble because do you go with what you think is most representative of the show that that somebody could could see the um the broad strokes of this is why the show is good, or do you go with the episodes that are your favorites? Honestly, you know what I do? Because I I've had this asked a lot, and I think I've done it kind of different ways every every time. But the, the the thing I really do, I'll do a little quick Google, and I won't say the site just in case people have allegiances elsewhere or whatever. But, like, there will be, like, some sites that come up that say, these are the best episodes of this mm -hmm. series. And I'll look at that list, and then I'll sit there and argue with myself and with that <laughs> list and be like, right. no, you're wrong about that. And how could you not include this one? And through my um, intense geek rage— I will then make my own list out of <laughs> arguing with this other person's list. Right. And right. then I'll hand that to them. But I also do kind of take into account, like, who's asking me? If it's somebody mm -hmm. who watches a lot of, like, Real Housewives and stuff, like, they're going to love, like, a they're going to love a House of Quark episode. They're going to love yeah. a, a real goofy yeah. Quark situation. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody who's really into, like, action-y things and they're very into Star Wars and stuff, I'm getting deeper into those Dominion War episodes and giving them, like, mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. action-y stuff. I honestly usually shy away from my favorites because my favorites are usually favorites. My favorites are, aren't always, like, the best episodes of the Abs series. Like, yeah. there's some, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are some that are, like, 
inarguable that are like my favorites, mm-hmm. but it's also like I love some episodes that, you know, maybe I probably know aren't objectively the best, but I have a specific reason to, you know, adore them. And like, you know, when I was younger, I recommended a lot of the like TNG Klingon episodes a lot, especially to people of color. But as we've gotten away from and understood more about how aliens and people of color, let's not conflate those stories. Like, let's not like, there was a lot of using aliens for representation. And like, I felt seen by that when I, in the early nineties, when well, we didn't have yeah, shit. That else. was all there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it was fine. And I think that's very valid. But like now, I wouldn't re- I recommend an episode like Sins of the Father, for example, versus that was like pivotal to me as a kid because it's a, for one of the first times I felt seen on screen. But like now, if you're judging it by today's standards, maybe yeah. not the best race metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've thankfully there's been progress, and we and yeah. we thank those you know we thank those storylines for filling a, a need that was there. <laughs> But now, yes. now we have actual people exactly. of color hopefully having roles on TV. Yes. Um, <laughs> speaking of some of your favorite episodes, I'm jumping around a bit. We'll we'll back up and we'll get your, your first contact with Trek. We'll do all the things that we do on this show. But I did want to point out that when we asked you about a couple of your favorite episodes you wanted to talk about, first of all, they're both DS9 episodes, my girl. Second of all, they're both <laughs> these like intense Dominion War, war games, like later season episodes. You picked... Uh, season six, episode five, Favor the Bold, and season seven, mm-hmm. 22, Tacking into the Wind, the one where Gowron yes. gets got. Gowron gets gowed yeah. in that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So my like real interest in both of these is kind of the Kira DeMar arc. Um, because Favor the Bold is where she like kicks the crap out of him and almost kills him. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Tacking into, and then like you just follow their journey and her journey. And then in Tacking to the Wind, she's like helping him, like, you know, like, and there's a particular scene in Tacking into the Wind I absolutely love, which I absolutely love that entire episode. I think the Klingon, the Klingon storyline, the conversation with that Worf and Ezri have about honor is so smart. And it's like what we've all thought, but really hadn't put into words by that point. But the uh, the scene where Nerys walks into the back of like the shuttlecraft, and Damar basically says they found and killed my wife and son. Like who would yes. do that? What kind of people would give those orders? And Nerys just says like, despite herself, like yeah, Damar, what kind of people would give those orders? And then like you could see on her face the like regret, but also he comes up to her and he looks her in the eye, locks eyes with her, gets very close to her, and then just gives her this little nod. And there's so between those two like moments, like him, her like defending Zial and like the cargo bay and like beating mm-hmm. up Damar to this, like it's just that show blows my mind. DS9 blows yeah. my mind every time I watch it. Every time I watch like a single scene, a single episode, that was so like it teaches you so much about like forgiveness. Forgiveness, but also like you don't have to like forgive necessarily. It's not that Kira has forgiven. It's just circumstances have changed and you have to change with them sometimes. Like it's oh yeah. it's so good. Yeah. I can talk about empathy. it forever. No, I I, I agree. Yeah. You know, I kind of marked down that scene for myself as well. So it's interesting talking about the bookends in in favor of the bold. In that uh, Kira and Demar scene where she beats him up, she beats him up because he puts his hands on Zial and he's trying to like force her to go talk to her dad, Goldicott. And Kira, like, whoops his ass, rightly so. And when yep. he leaves, or when he's, like, down on the ground, Zial's like, did you kill him? And Kira goes, no, but I thought about it, or no, but I wanted to, or something like that. And yeah. in that instance, and in the later instance you just described, where she says, what kind of people would do this? And then after he leaves, she has that regret, and she even says, like, I could have picked a better time to deliver that message. This was kind of harsh. I, I'm always so hooked on, I think why I love the show is because it is some of the best example of character work, of strongly written complex characters, and Kira being one of my favorites. Both of those moments show her her warrior spirit, they show her, her you know, uh, intensity, but also her empathy and her humanity, and, and it's in like a, an exchange of maybe two lines, or like one little couplet of lines, yeah. and that's such incredible storytelling it's it's the best it's the best show we've got, guys. I, yeah. I'm it just is. gonna keep banging the drum. <laughs> it is. It's my favorite. Like I I feel so strongly about it. Now on the topic of planets, can we ask <laughs> you about uh, space tourism? <laughs> oh yes. Your recent video yes. about about this was fascinating. And when you were a kid, didn't you think by now it would be routine that we were going into space all the time? 
Like we were, we were sort of led yes. to believe that. And the fact that it's now 2023 and that um, the idea of just regular people going into space is still feels like a, a way off. Why do you think that is? And why, why is it, has that not been a priority? Um, so I will spare you like the whole geopolitical talk I have, <laughs> right, right, right. but the like short answer is basically we went, we landed on the moon in 1969 mm. and it is 2023. Like that is a huge difference. We've been, so basically the, uh, moon landing and that space race was all geopolitical. It was all about beating mm -hmm. Russia to yeah. the moon, which is, um, you know, once we got there, political will and public support kind of fell off because we'd won. It's why uh, Ron Moore's, uh, speaking of DS9, Ron Moore's For mm -hmm. All Mankind yeah. is such a like, it's such a transformational series because it's like it, the idea is what if we hadn't beaten them to the moon, then would yeah. we have continued the space program? And it's, 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 um, it's conceivable that we would have. And, you know, yeah. I say continued the space program. I meant like space exploration. We've been mm -hmm. hanging out in low earth orbit since then, mm -hmm. basically uh, we built the space shuttle and then we built the international space station. Cause we had to have somewhere for the space shuttle to go. Like, mm -hmm. it, cause they were just hanging out and didn't really have a lot to do. And that's like really where we've been stuck. And I think a lot of the reason, like you have to have a governmental organization like NASA spearheading and leading the way for space exploration. So if NASA is going to the moon, that that helps all these other companies get there as well, because you have it's space is expensive and it's trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a organization that is not interested in making a profit that doesn't need to have that goal in order to fund all of this and pay for all of this. Like even like all the private space companies pretty much have uh, gotten NASA contracts and that's how they are where they are. Like it's a very reciprocal relationship. And so basically the reason that we are not all space tourists right now, like going to space, you know, space hotels and all that is because the kind of public and political will to do that kind of space exploration and to further that disappeared after Apollo and there wasn't, we weren't, we've just been kind of hanging out in low Earth orbit since yeah. then. Yeah. But, and forgive a very dumb question, NASA still exists? Question mark? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Got it. I think I knew that. It's but good like, to check. It, sometimes you got to just check every now and then. <laughs> Absolutely. Like MySpace. Is that still running? Actually, I, that I don't know. Ke Kendra, Kendra, can you research and check and see if, now, if MySpace is still up and running? Just real quick. But while and we're gonna we're gonna stop the podcast down until we get an answer. I hope Tom from MySpace, wherever he is, though, is living his best life. That's that's all. Oh, absolutely. I, hope. I know. I know where he is because my friend saw him on a dating app. He's in Hawaii surfing. <laughs> um, <laughs> same picture. Did he use the same picture? Uh, he does have it as one of his pictures. Uh, we can cut all this if it's gotcha. too off topic, but uh, yeah, he's he's surfing in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, great. So NASA is fine. They're fine. Um, so one of the big things that just happened for NASA is they launched Artemis One, which was their uncrewed mission. Basically, we are going back to the moon. Finally, <laughs> like <laughs> finally, we are going back to the moon, which you can there's a lot you can criticize about Artemis. And I personally have criticized about Artemis. Uh, but hey, at least we're getting at least we're going. We're, doing we're getting back out there mm -hmm. to moon. Yeah. So it was the uncrewed test. So that launched um, in 2022. So the next step is in 2024 ish. Uh like Artemis 2 should launch and that'll be the first crewed launch. Um, cool. But in this year, one thing we can look forward to is probably a crew assignment for that. I'm looking forward to some women being on that crew, women of yes. color being on that mm -hmm. crew because we have never sent a woman, like it's hard to think about, but we've never sent a woman outside of Earth orbit. Like Outside of Earth orbit? Wow. All, no, we've never sent a woman outside of Earth orbit. The only crewed missions that have gone outside of Earth orbit are the Apollo missions, and those were all white men. Wow. Oh, okay. So wait, but what about the women who've gone to the space station? Now I do feel very That's stupid. low Earth orbit. That's low Earth orbit. Okay. I'm not understanding the distinction. That's my problem. Yeah. So basically, we haven't sent them outside of Earth orbit. Mm -hmm. Understood. Wow. And is that because an and not enough tampons will fit in the, um, <laughs> they'll need too many tampons and there's not room in the, oh, in the my God. rocket. 
it's like it, the 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 story. Some of the the stories that have come out of like the early the early space program and women have been like unreal. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's because Apollo was all men, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it was 1960s, right. 1970s. It was all men. Product of its time, like, could have been better, but, like, also product of its time. Um, yeah. But, yeah. and then we haven't gone anywhere besides Earth orbit since the 1970s, so. You're right. And I'm, like, now I'm remembering, because um, I, I was on the show Space Force, and I did play the woman who went to the moon, but, and we <laughs> had these conversations, but that was in, like, what felt like 1947, because we filmed it pre-pandemic, yeah. and now. yeah. But yeah. I'm now I'm, I'm remembering the distinction between low Earth orbit and the literal moon. So, okay, let's get some people who aren't actors on on the moon. Let's get some women who aren't me <laughs> yes. on the moon. Let's That's get, the goal. Yeah, I'm just really excited for that. Like, we'll get some crew assignments. Hopefully, some, you know, they've made, they've already made a commitment to, like, mm-hmm. there will be a woman on that first human landing crew, which won't be until Artemis 3, which they're saying 2025. That seems like... The number of things that have to happen for that to happen in 2025 seem absolutely unrealistic. So probably 2026, sure. 2027, but it'll happen. What do we know about the, uh, and forgive me if this is not uh, an area of, of discussion for you, but what do we know about the the demographics of of NASA and has enlistment, has recruitment gone down? Like, where are we in terms of who wants to be an astronaut and how many of them? No, it's a good question. Um, there are uh, NASA's had, I think, two uh, new classes in the last like five years or so, which is gr- which is good. So there are hiring new astronauts. Other agencies as well, Canada, Europe, um, are recruiting as well. So there is recruitment going on, and the um, the the makeup of these has been pretty good in terms of inclusivity and including more women, including more people of color. Um, Raja Chari was just a, the, uh, commander of the International Space Station, and he was one of the class before last, and he's half South Asian, so, like, personally very, very invested in Raja Chari's, you know, <laughs> success as an astronaut. For sure. But, um, yeah, no, so there are more, um, you know, more women, more people of color, and, you know, as Dutch makes me excited for, like, you know, young me, there weren't as many. And for now, young people today, there's going to be a lot more representation and, you know, the idea that, oh, you can be an astronaut too. Lovely researcher Kendra just told us that there are four women, there were four women in the class of 2020 NASA astronaut yeah. group 23. She also said that MySpace is having a revolution thanks to Gen Z. So Yeah, she put revolution in quotes, so we don't know what that means. That's true. And it's, it's very a, mysterious. Bit of a comment on the word revolution. Yeah. <laughs> um, these are Tom's the things we just find out. Things we find out for you on the Star Trek podcast. Okay, I do want to talk because uh, in one of your episodes of Far Out, the YouTube series you do for PBS, you discuss space tourism. So I want to talk about yes. the Blue Origin, the SpaceX, the 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 billionaires going to the moon hmm. phenomenon. Is that what we call yeah. it? Is it a phenomenon? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. How do we feel about yeah. this? How do we feel about rich people going up into space? <laughs> I think and we feel mixed back. about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think pe- more people might support it if it was just going to space, let's be honest. <laughs> right. sure. um, I think we feel mixed about it. I think it's, um, you know, it's, I think a lot of these feel a little bit like vanity projects, um, mm-hmm. even if they're not. Like, SpaceX does a lot of really good work, but, you know, it's also, it could be called an ego project a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's fine. And I think I think that's the key here. It's fine to have mixed feelings. My view is, my view is it's good if it furthers, like, if it furthers our sense of exploration, if it furthers our sense of wonder, it's good. But, you know, you have to be careful because an organization like NASA going to space is exploration. It's for science. Why are everybody else going to space? If you're going to space just to go to space, granted, if somebody gave me mm-hmm. a ticket, I would go. So let's keep Absolutely. that in mind. Uh, sure. But there's 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 environmental concerns like it, there's, you know, it's not great for the environment. It's not great for, you know, not only like pollution type stuff, but also a lot of these launch pads are located in areas with uh, wildlife and that's being disturbed, stuff like that. Um, and it's also just, you know, why are we going? A lot of a point I tried to make in that PBS episode was like a lot of these space tourism 
opportunities are also opportunities for science to happen, and they are happening. And I think that's good. But overall, I think, you know, and I think as we as it goes further, as we go outside of Earth orbit, as are private companies going to form settlements on other worlds? How are these settlements going to be run? Are we who's going to get to go? Who is who is it going to be? It's going to be very expensive. Are we talking about like indentured servitude? Are we just mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. are you going to come back? Like there's what kind of and, restaurants like, will we build? This is what I think <laughs> yes. about. Is there going to be tacos? <laughs> I think it's just there's a lot to talk about and a lot to think about before we can say, like, humans settling other worlds is unequivocally a good thing. I'm not saying it's not yeah. it's not a good thing. and I'm not saying I don't want it, but I'm saying the way it happens is important and the, there needs to be intentionality behind it needs to happen in certain ways, being respectful of the environment and such. Yeah. Do you see <laughs> the first time uh, a colonization has done that? I know. Yeah, I, was, that's I think I was just going to basically ask Can that. Can we like, reform colonization? Do <laughs> you think that's possible? Or has the history of literally everything taught us that it's going to be, uh, uh, what's the scientific term, real bad? <laughs> and that's the question. And I, I don't think we know. And I think, it, I, I do yeah. think I, I, trust i guess i think i trust nasa more than a company a private company but that being said nasa is still run by run by humans and people and you know it's we're all we're all figuring this out as we go so i think my hope is before any of this happened there's going to be a lot more discussion and a lot of a lot of voices involved that don't normally get heard who are going to have points that most people haven't thought of and stuff like that one of the things I really enjoyed from that episode uh, of Far Out was uh, talking about how sending people up uh, who have different sets of skills, sending up artists, sending up one of the people you interviewed talked about sending a blogger up there, how that contributes to the overview effect. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the overview effect is one of, I think, the most important aspects of space travel, understanding that we're just we're we're all in this together we have this one planet and going and sure going and settling other worlds is a great way to expand our cultures and such but that's not a replacement for earth mars is trying to kill us (laughs) we don't want to all move over there let's not do that and so i think the overview effect is so so important when it comes to giving a larger perspective, basically. It, it helps understand, you know, William Shatner, when he went to space, he wrote in his memoir that basically he thought he would be full of, like, joy. And instead, he was, like, terrified, like, when he saw the Earth, because it's so fragile. And it's so it's just this, like, blue marble in space. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. And I think uh, that and that's part of why, like, I do science communication, bringing these ideas to everybody in a compassionate way that isn't condescending is so important and it's it's hard to do. Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, then a poet or a songwriter or an artist or someone like that can communicate these ideas a little bit differently than someone whose background is mm-hmm. purely in science. And I, I just like exactly. that. I, I hope it continues, the trend continues to value those other skill sets because it, it is such a human thing that we need to understand and yeah, just different ways of communicating that can only be beneficial, it seems like. Yeah, there has to be other inspirations besides just he makes more money than you do, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Paul, would you exactly. go up in a in a private space flight? If I were to offer that, yeah, absolutely. Really? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think I'm yeah, the only yeah, yeah. Wait, no, would you? No would you? Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh-uh. No, no, no. No, I went Is to- Is it just a, too big? I went to a clown college. I, I don't, I'm not needed. <laughs> For this, I'm not needed for this, and I'm scared. So someone else who's either not scared oh, or has wait. better skills should. Go. Oh, okay. I thought I, I thought if we're going by the criterion of do I feel like I'm needed up there? Absolutely not. But well, well, uh, and I'm not sure, needed, and I'm scared. If somebody said I have a plus one, <laughs> then absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's I would my go. thing. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I would love to see more uh, writers go up. 
uh, mm-hmm. as a writer selfishly, please send me sure. to space. Whoever's listening mm-hmm. can do that. Uh, but like, no, I would love to see more writers go up just yeah. to the National Science Foundation has a writers and artists grant for Antarctica because the idea is having these artists are art, more artistic views of Antarctica will make people want to preserve it. And mm-hmm. I think that should exist for space. Yeah. That's I want to do that. I actually have been yes. following an Antarctica expedition Instagram account for about seven years, play, thinking I'm going to go. So I I will do that. If you need to send uh, a semi-retired improv actress to Antarctica, sign me up. I've been, and it is amazing. Have you really? You wow. have? Oh yes, my that was my bucket space. My bucket list is space number one. Antarctica is number two. Wow. So before I had a kid, because like I was like, when once I have a kid, like I can't take them to Antarctica with me. Uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, before I have a kid, the thing I want to do is go to Antarctica, and so we did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Antarctica is tough with kids. You got to bundle them up. Yeah. yeah, and if it's you can't put them in black and white, you confuse them with a penguin. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay. Before I, I want to get back to Trek, but before we do that, I just wanted to ask, like, because you are so in this <laughs> space, um, <laughs> you, you hear so much like news and things that are going to be coming up. Is there anything we should be looking out for in 2023 that's going to happen either in the tourism vein or just any, like, I don't know, any, any space story that we should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think there's a few. Um, I think the crew selection for Artemis 2 that I mentioned before, I think that's going to be huge. Yep. JWST, which is the great observatory at Lagrange Point 2, that is going to, I mean, it's continually putting out amazing pictures. We're going to get spectroscopic confirmation of the oldest galaxies we've ever seen. We've already gotten it, but I think it's going to get older and older. And I just can't wait to see what this uh, observatory is going to do. And then um, in terms of uh, another big science thing is OSIRIS-REx is going to send back asteroid samples. Those should land in, I think, September 2023. Whoa. So it basically flew to the asteroid Bennu, grabbed some samples, and sent them back. And so those should land. And so we should we're going we're gonna to get asteroid samples from outer space, which, you know, we can study uh, like meteorites that have like fallen to Earth. But this is going to be the first time like we have intentionally gone out there and gotten the samples and brought them back. And so I think that's pretty cool. Wow. I'm so sorry. I did not know there was an asteroid named Banu, which is very adorable. (laughs) Banu. It's really cute. (laughs) Yep. It is. It is a cute asteroid name. It's a sweet name. We need more cute names for things that could destroy our planet. (laughs) Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Okay. So going all the way back to Trek, uh, while we still have you for a few more minutes, I do want to know, we always ask people what their first contact was. Like, do you have a first memory of watching or do you know like exactly how and where and when you got into it? What was your, what was your first contact? So it was, I was, I was pretty young. Um, Probably my guess is sometimes season three or four of next gen was when um, I started watching and it was really, there were a few episodes that grabbed me. And it's not really a few episodes that grabbed me. It was a few things I saw. Uh, LaForge on the um, Enterprise, like seeing LeVar Burton as a person of color doing really smart things was pivotal mm-hmm. to me. Um, Sins of the Father, I mentioned, because like it was the first time as a child of immigrants I had seen my own experiences not fitting into either world that I was supposed to belong mm. to. Wow, you know, not yeah. fitting in, you know, Oklahoma where I was growing up, but I don't fit in in India. Um, mm-hmm. That was the first time I'd seen that on screen, so that was very powerful. And then, like, Disaster, the Next Gen episode as well, was um, basically just because it made me understand how important it is to be, to un- how important it is to understand the world around you. Because, like, that's yeah. the scene where, like, the ship runs into, like, the quantum filament or something like that. And every single, every single, like, storyline is about people knowing their stuff really, really well. And that's how Mm. they get out of it. Everyone just being really smart. And arguably every track is about people being smart. But I think this was a way where every single person was smart and had to make really hard decisions. And like, I just thought that like that, I think that episode is what kind of set me on my career trajectory. Like Mm -hmm. understanding that like, like the knowledge that, understanding the world around you gives you choice and it gives you options. If you don't know, understand the world around you, you don't have those like that creates opportunities. Um, And so it was like that, 
like it was early. It was like early to mid next gen. And so I don't like I don't know exact episodes, but it was there was a lot of things about it that like kind of fundamentally shaped the person I would become. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It literally was you as a kid grabbing that idea that knowledge was your was your key, was your access point. Like having more mm-hmm. increased knowledge about things was going to give you greater access and greater power, which yeah. yes. feels true to me too. I, I, mm-hmm. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And then did you have like family, were family members watching it with you or was it just you kind of finding it on your own? Uh, my sister was the one who started and that's, uh, she is, she still loves Trek, but is not like as intense of a Trek fan as I am. <laughs> sure, um, sure, sure. So my sister, I have my older sister and then, but my whole family loved, we watched it together, um, especially Next Generation, like my parents um, and even my grandmother from India who was like, I don't understand why you like these shows with <laughs> with aliens, but I will watch them with you. Sure. And so, like, we, it was that. it was a thing that we all could watch. And, yeah. like, when I would go to India for, uh, like, the summers, when I as I did when I was a kid, I was allowed, like, one VHS tape. <laughs> and I would record just, like, next-gen reruns and on, like, the uh-huh. six-hour tape. And then I'd Absolutely. have, like, six hours of next-gen. I would literally yes. watch, like, every day for, like, uh, a month. SLP, baby. <laughs> the original binging. It's, yes, exactly. <laughs> That is the original binging. I'm also like, I don't mad. Need the I'm like, quality. I need the yeah, time. Uh, ter- terrible tracking. <laughs> yep. They only allowed you one VHS tape. Come on. You were yeah, checking one bags. VHS they tape could've... and like three books. I think is what I got. It was okay. By, like, that's a lot. fair. Because that's a that's a decent amount. That's a solid like four or five pounds of of goods. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you were going up in a in a rocket, that would cost uh, like fifty thousand oh dollars or something like that. <laughs> it's been so great chatting with you. Uh, before we let you go, um, we wanted to ask you. You're so well versed in in Trek, the classic and the new stuff. Can you take us out on a on a hopeful note? Like where where have you seen real space news, you know, scientific discovery and advancements that that sort of intersect with Star Trek that ma- could make us feel that we're headed in the right direction, at least? It's a hard time for sure, but I think there is so much to be hopeful for. I think anybody who wants who wants a Trek-style future, we have to get back out there. We've been in low Earth orbit for decades. We have to get back out there. And I think I find a lot of hope in the Artemis missions, honestly, mm-hmm. like I find a lot of hope and a lot of, you know, a lot of it. That's the idea that humans are getting back out there. Hopefully by the end of the decade, we will land people back on the moon. And for some people, I know it's like, well, we've already been there. Like why it feels like going <laughs> like not necessarily going backwards, but it feels like staying flat. And it's like, sure, but it's been so long since we've been there. The technology is new. We have to test all of this out before we can head further into you know further into the solar system and like i i i really want to go to mars and to go to mm-hmm. mars we have to go back to the moon and this is the first step and so i i do think that there's a lot of hope there yeah. it's tough because i i i want to know how you feel because i on any given day i can feel either that we will get there or that no this planet is too stupid we're never going to make it are you able to sustain a sort of positive outlook about this stuff every day or is it challenging for you? I am able to sustain a positive outlook because I love it so much. And, you know, every day, mm. my everyday work is, you know, science communication, talking yeah. to people on TikTok about science and people care and they're so interested and they ask really smart questions. And genuinely, space is one of those things where even if you don't follow it day to day, I think pretty much everybody is like, oh, that's that's cool. Space is cool. People argue, yeah. of course, should we spend this much money on it? Should we, you know, this, which NASA's budget is a lot smaller than people think it is. But I think everybody is interested and it is very easy to despair. But I'm also kind of on the ground talking to people who are excited about it. And like, it blows my mind how many people are really excited about space. That is wonderful to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about space. I just don't want to go up there. Is that okay? (laughs) Yes. I want all of you to go up there and smart people to go up there. And I'm going to cheer you on from down below and make television (laughs) shows about it. Well, Swapna, thank you so much. We really appreciate you giving us your time. Um, And it it was just a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah. It was so thank lovely. You. Thank you. And I hope that you and all your friends on your planet show, um, you know, have, live long and prosper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
So definitely go to YouTube and check out uh, Far Out, uh, which is hosted by Swap. It's really cool. And uh, I'm so glad we got to talk to her. Yeah, what a fun energy, what a ray of light. And man, now when I want to know what's going on in, in the sky and in the space, I'm just going to message her and be like, tell, tell me what's happening, please. Yeah. Tell me about the space news. Yeah, yeah. What are they doing up there? What's going on? Uh, more more spy balloons? Tell me, tell me what this is, please. Do I need to worry about this? Do you know what I wish I'd asked? Huh? Is how far has astronaut food come? Is it better than it was? Didn't we ask... Samantha Christopher Reddy that like season one of this podcast. I know that oh, was back in uh, right. 2008. Because she but... had to eat it. That's right. <laughs> Didn't we ask her about space? I feel like anytime I get an astronaut on the horn, I'm asking her about that astronaut food. Yeah. Especially the ice cream. Yeah. Oh, oh. The it's, only is astronaut Dippin food. Dots really yes. the ice cream <laughs> of, of the, the future? future? <laughs> what is this? What? How did you guys procure this future ice cream? <laughs> Wait, this is fully a tangent and I own it. Sorry, we swear this is a Star Trek podcast, but at this point you're used to us, so calm down. Paul, did you see that Dole Whip is coming to grocery stores? What? Previously, you could only get Dole Whip at a, at a Disneyland park. That's right. <laughs> or at like a weird roadside stand out in the desert. How? Now you can get it in a grocery store. How are they doing it? How are they packaging it? What What is the story with this? I don't know, chemicals, I'm sure. Oh, great. I do like but I'm chemicals. Uh, you know what? I've never had Dole Whip. <gasps> I've never had it. What? Yeah. I don't know how I avoided it. Paul, we got to fix it. We got to go right now. Close your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Just shut it. I've also never had Coca-Cola. I've never That's had orange juice. This is not, none of this is true. <laughs> now I'm lying. Now I'm just lying for fun. Whatever you say you've never had, I'm going to mix them all together in a cup and be like, one, one shot. Here you go. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, well, we got to go get Paul some Dole Whip. I can't, I cannot have this. I can't have this. Yes, before it comes to your grocer's freezer, I have to go and find it out on these streets. <laughs> yeah, we got to go to Disneyland tonight. The main the streets car. of Disneyland. I wonder if they have it at Downtown Disney. I wonder if you can get a boozy Dole Whip. All right, this is just me musing and not uh, podcasting anymore. So that's, that's right. how I know it's time to hit stop record. Mm, that's kind of what a podcast is, though. It's tough to make the differentiation. Shh, Paul, don't tell them. Don't tell them. Oh, Tony, they know. You're right. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye, LLAP. The Pod Directive is hosted by Tawny Newsom and Paul F. Tompkins. Executive produced by Gideon Bauer, produced by Kendra James, and produced and edited by Kevin Bartelt. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.